0: Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Helene Berger, a woman who joins us as the author of a really great and important book, Choosing Joy, Alzheimer's, A Book of Hope. This was not a life goal for Helene, but her path to this place is both interesting and inspiring. The word choosing, choice, is really key. Let's meet Helene and hear from her, learn from her, about her experience in walking with her husband, Aidy, through this new territory that they did not choose. Helene Berger, good morning. It is so wonderful to have you with us this morning.
1: Well, I'm privileged to be on your show. And uh, I after listening to your interviews, I know how thorough your research is. So thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, you know, I, I just have to, I'm going to say, toss this back to you because I am just so in awe of you and what you have done and done it so graciously. And, you know, when we think of the condition of Alzheimer's, but we can, as we find through uh, your book, choosing joy, we find that this is applicable to any kinds of conditions and to just life in general. So I have to say that, you know, the way that you approach this, Helene, is just so incredibly gracious and kind and generous. And we can really learn so much, I think, about life in general from this. But here you have focused on Alzheimer's because, sadly, this is what entered your life. Uh, well, now it's, what, a- about 15 or so years ago, right? Uh, well, yes. That that your husband, AD was diagnosed with Alzheimer's.
1: Correct. So the, the history for me is that about uh, shortly after our 50th anniversary, uh, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And um, he began to go down the typical path of the first year. And um, it was, you know, with stubbornness and frustration and irritability and annoyance and occasionally inappropriate behavior. When he was diagnosed, his words were to the doctor when he pronounced the the three fateful words, you have Alzheimer's. He said very clearly and quietly to the doctor, I don't want to live anymore. And then the first year, he went down, as I just said, that path. And within the first, after the first year, he became known by everyone as the man with the radiant smile. And in the following years, and I'll get into more of this later, but in the following years, he began to do what was unthinkable before, his things that he could not even think of doing, he was able to do beautifully. And let me fast forward and jump to the, the last night of his life, uh, six years later, and we took out 17 friends for dinner. I said, thank you. And I purposely didn't tell him ahead of time who was coming because I didn't want him to Feel that he had to remember the names. But when the guests arrived, he greeted, after six years of Alzheimer's, every single guest by name. And if that were not enough, when we sat, well, I was going to say we sat down. He was in a wheelchair because he had fractured his hip uh, two and a half years before. But when we all sat down at the table, he raised his glass, water he never drank. And made the most articulate, profound toast, thanking each guest for their kindness, their attention, their calls, and and for taking care of me. And when we left the evening, two of the couples came over and said the identical words, Are you sure he has Alzheimer's? And the book is Why This Transformation Was Possible.
0: And it is wonderful, actually, the way that you presented this, Helene, in talking about the day of the diagnosis and then fast forward the last day of his life and what a transformation there was. Obviously, six years intervened in the course of that, but it shows what can happen, that he was just so full of life. And his brain was so engaged and active.
1: Well, that is that is the key word. Uh, when I realized uh, after the first year and watched with horror as uh, this beautiful, kind, gentle, loving man was going downhill, uh, I I began to think, "What? What can I do? How can I change this?" And I realized that. I couldn't change him but I could change myself. And we had we had a relatively very good marriage with the usual bumps in the early years that all all couples have. And I think during those fifty years before the before the Alzheimer's we we learned how to how to work out problems together. And so the changes that began Uh, started with me, and I'll give you an example or two. Uh, Typical of every Alzheimer's patient is that they ask the same question uh, over and over again and forget the answer two minutes later. And what I realized was, I remember one night I asked the same question, and by the fifth time, what I did is what everybody does. I answered with the same words, but before I answered, I realized that I either took a a sigh or raised an eyebrow or maybe closed my eyes for a minute before answering, which was basically not verbally but non-verbally my behavior was uh, saying I've told you that a hundred times already, and my own frustration showed. And one night when I did that, I saw, because I watched him like a hawk, I saw that it was like a punch in the gut for him. Mm. And I said to myself, you are not going to do that again. You're not going to let your nonverbal expression diminish him. And I remember going that night, there was a ballet I was going to where I remember looking for a blank page on the program and making a note to myself that I will not do that again. Now, I've got to tell you, that was one of the hardest things, strangely enough, that I had to do. But so soon, when I saw the results of of his reaction to, to that, and I would say, honey, I, I'm going to the ballet with Elaine the seventh time, as sweetly as the first, and he would nod and say yes. Yes, I remember, but I wasn't diminishing him. I wasn't. I wasn't diminishing who he was, and accepting, and and that was the key uh, throughout throughout the whole book. Um, the 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 bottom line of the whole book really is how our attitude can change the life of the people we love and our own. Because when I started to learn, and the book is chock full of, of examples like that, I can give you dozens of, of the things that I didn't know when I started, but what I learned through watching him and caring about him and wanting to give each of us the best life possible in, in the years that we had.
0: That is so beautiful. It's such a Wonderful love story is what you are recounting to us, Helene. Along with the fact, I feel I'm sorry. Along with the fact that I feel this really then is applicable to all of us, whatever stage of life, whatever it is that we're dealing with, is. And you say this early on in the book that we always have that option of changing our attitude. It's
1: true. I, I remember reading a marvelous book by Viktor Frankl, a uh, book was Man's Search for Meaning, and he was a survivor of the death camps of the Nazi Germany. And one sentence, I think I, put it, I did put it in the book, was, if I can recall, the, the one thing no one can take away from us is the attitude that we choose. And that, that really stuck with me and um it makes a difference there are, there were so many other and let me give you another example of uh, of breakthroughs that i made and oh, by the way one of the things that's unique about the book i think is that every time i realized that something that was happening i didn't just say oh that that's good that works for that i tried to find the philosophy, the principle behind what I did so I could apply it to other things. And one major breakthrough uh, came uh, from watching. We had a housekeeper that came in three days a week, and she was there one morning, and uh, she came into the bedroom, and had she said in a cheery voice, Mr. Berger, your breakfast is ready. I would have thought, isn't that lovely? She never did that. (laughs) She said, Mr. Berger, are you ready for breakfast? And the brilliance of that hit me like a thunderbolt and and changed everything for the next few years. In the one case, no matter how sweetly you say your breakfast is ready, it's an implied command. Your breakfast is ready. You have to come and eat. What she did was ask a question, and it was his decision, and he owned it. And and everything that I ever had to tell him in the next years was always not telling him what to do, but in the form of a question. Uh, dear, would you rather draw tonight, or would you rather... Uh, do, do Sudoku? Would you even, would, uh, dear? Would you would you like to go to the bathroom before we go to the doctor's office? Uh, which movie would you like to ride, uh, watch? And what happened is all his opposition basically vanished because he wasn't being told what to do. You take a successful person, or even you take um, the driver of a truck; whoever they, their experience and what they do. They've made decisions all their lives. And when you start telling a grown man or woman what they have to do, there's a natural rebellion, a natural feeling of decline, that they're telling me what to do. I, I know what to do. And the magic of putting it into a question uh, just just gave me dignity and and stopped the opposition. And so my the philosophy uh, be between that is, question versus command, and I would write these little notes to myself, usually at the concert and scribbled on a program, of, of trying to think what, what is the philosophy behind an action so I could apply it to many, many other situations.
0: And that, Helene, is why this book is so beautiful and such a a wonderful testament, really, to life. So, Choosing Joy, Alzheimer's, A Book of Hope, it just resonates. That hope just resonates throughout, and it's a guide. As you were saying, you would make these notes along the way, not thinking at the time, oh, I'm going to write a book about this, did you? Never. (laughs) The last thing in my mind. (laughs) And yet you know here we are with the results of it choosing joy and it's it's so wonderful it's so uplifting and really for us in this world where we know that the incidence of alzheimer's is increasing but other diseases like Parkinson's disease, and cancer is, you know, all these epidemic proportions. Here you're giving us such a great techniques that help us to live life still to the fullest. Uh,
1: thank you. One of my, uh, the daughter of one of my friends who's now in her 50s, I've got so many beautiful letters from people who read the book, and she writes me this long, wonderful letter. At the end, she said, Elaine, you have to know how universal your book is. I am speaking to my husband differently than I ever spoke to him before reading your book. <laughs> and I thought that, that was, that was the, that, that just was so important to me that uh, people had that reaction. Uh, one, one of the other things, if we have time, yes. is, uh, that I was very conscious of is keeping his mind active. He was engaged every minute of every day. and When you read the book, you'll see the schedules and the timing uh, that, that we had. We had a goal and a plan. And what we did was I introduced uh, new activities that he enjoyed, but also renewed old things that he enjoyed. For example, uh, he played the piano beautifully, and he had stopped playing for about 3 the first 3 years of the alzheimer's he just stopped and one day i said dear you've got such joy out of the piano why why aren't you playing my fingers don't work anymore why not and i said would you would you give me 10 minutes a day and see how it goes maybe it, maybe your maybe your fingers aren't working cuz you haven't played anyway he he that soon came became an hour a day of his sitting there and playing Beethoven and Mozart and Rachmaninoff and beaming and smiling, uh, drawing. He never drew in his life. And one day after dinner, I had a beautiful new blank pad and crayons and markers, and uh, I put this in front of him, and I said, Draw something. And he looked at me like I was off my rocker and said, What should I draw? I said, Whatever makes you happy and that began you know, primitive surely not museum quality drawings uh, but that became an activity that he did virtually every night and the book is not full of them, they wouldn't let me put that many in but the book shows that no, this person who said I don't want to live anymore nobody could draw the pictures of joy that, that he did if they were depressed. And and activity I can't even think of them all. Sudoku. I tried him. He he was considered a mathematician. He loved math. And I tried him on Sudoku puzzles the first, second year, and he just couldn't get it. He didn't understand the the little boxes and little numbers. In the last two years of his life, we did Sudoku together uh, most nights. And I, I not no hints for me, but he said. And sometimes it took two nights to get through one. But he, all these new activities, and one activity that delighted me was his idea, and that was he started writing. Even though I was in the next room, he started writing little love notes to me each night, and I treasured them, and I put some of them in the book, and they're they're fun and they're they're just delightful. So the active mind, no matter what we can do to be creative and not be afraid to introduce new things and, uh, and music was a big big part of his life and we did go to many many concerts and I never had to sit in fear that he would do something inappropriate because he was so absorbed
0: by the music so I was very lucky with that. And when you spoke to his physician to to the uh, specialist, he said that this totally made sense about how the brain works.
1: Yeah, well, I, I asked him, because uh, I, I couldn't believe what was happening, and, and friends who observed him couldn't believe what, what was happening. And when I asked him about four months uh, before he passed away, because we kept going back and we went to the, the state-of-the-art Ween Center for Memory Disorder, and this is the head of the, the head of the whole center... And I asked him one day, Dr. Drora, is it possible that his brain is building new passages around the damaged ones? And he looked at me with a big smile and said, absolutely. And uh, it, it was so, it, you know, <laughs> I didn't realize until writing this book how difficult it was. Because every day of the last five years was was a day of joy because I saw his improvement. And when I wrote the book and realized what we did, I, I was like, "Wow! <laughs> did, did I? Did we do that together?" And that's the other big point. He was a part of everything. I, any, there were of course there were problems along the way. Of course, they started the inappropriate behavior and all kinds of things. I came to him with honesty with an open discussion, with involving him in the solution. And I never, if people get tell a white lie because they think it helps, I am no criticism. Whatever works, works. But for me, I, I never bent the truth. And he knew it. And because of that, uh, he trusted me. And, and he responded positively. And he knew that I had his, his interest totally, totally at heart. And, and, you know, it's, it's really important. I, I don't want to have this interview end before saying what I always, always must include when I speak, and that is that nothing I've said on this call and nothing I've described in the book uh, that worked for us, nothing is a guarantee that others will have similar results. Uh, there are hundreds and thousands of people who have given their all, their soul, their heart, their energy, their time uh, to a loved one, and still ended up with someone who didn't know their names or didn't know the names of the children, and and uh, and and you know absolutely did not have this result. And so I just don't want to imply, uh, Miss Pollyanna, that if you do this, everything's mm-hmm. going to be fine. It's not. Uh, every relationship is different. Every person is different, and. I guess my goal in writing this is uh, to suggest that we be creative in making just sweet times and that uh, we open doors that, that have never been opened before and, and just to try to live as fully as the condition allows. And my hope is to, to truly help others on this journey and experience For both of you, a, a a less stressful time knowing that we are not the hapless victims of fate, that our actions can and do make a difference, and that we really can choose to live with hope and, yes, even joy.
0: And thus, the title is so appropriate that it is Choosing Joy, but that there is that conscious activity of choice, of making the choice, correct? That's, that's what it's about. It's, to, it's totally what it's about. And we should mention uh, your website, because that's a, a great wealth of information and a way to get to, to the book, uh, and also it's available at all of our favorite book sources, Correct.
1: Yes, I'm delighted with the website, and uh, it includes so many things. Let me tell you what it is first. It's very, very simple. www.HeleneBerger, spelled with all e's h e l e n e burger b e r g e r dot com www.helaineberger dot com, and go go on the media media tab, which uh, which gives. Uh, fortunately been blessed to ask to do many of these interviews and they are on there and uh, also what I'm delighted about is the book has been out just a month and a half and when I checked last there were 14 reviews on Amazon from people I, I don't all unsolicited and some of them very lengthy and powerful and everyone so far is a five star so it's it this whole experience has been beyond gratifying for me, and I'm glad that, that I've, I had all these notes that I've been scribbling to myself only for myself, and I'm so pleased that so many friends came to me when they saw the positive change to ask what I was doing, what medication was he on, and uh, I'm so glad they did that, they observed that, because that's what really inspired me. Uh, to write the
0: book. And we are certainly the richer for that fact. So we owe it to ourselves because as your uh, the daughter of one of your friends said, the book is universal. Yes, it deals with an illness, which is great because it gives some great ideas that we might choose to try. But just in general, you know, applying it to life, I think really it is such a gift to us
1: so very much. And I I must say that uh, I had a delightful time on this interview with you. You've you've been simply wonderful, and I appreciate it.
0: Well, um, for that, I'm grateful. Thank you, Helene. And the thing is, um, you know, before we really wrap it up, one of the other key things that I think is critical, because it's all part of balance, and again, it applies to our life, not just when we're dealing in a serious situation where a partner or family member is uh, dealing with a uh, very l- tough illness is taking care of self. You definitely made sure that there was time to take care of you.
1: There's a whole chapter on the book in that, and it is crucial. And uh, and it I it took me a while to understand that and to learn that. And I I sought the opinion of a psychiatrist before he was diagnosed and uh, and she was it it was wonderful and she kept urging me she said you it's not just yourself you you cannot you cannot take care of him if you're not looking after yourself and uh, and her in the beginning I almost felt guilty if I went out and and played tennis for an hour or, or saw friends, and she absolutely insisted that I continue to live. And let me say, you no one can do this 24-7. It is impossible to be whole, and if you try to do that, uh, you'll go downhill uh, faster uh, than, than your mate. And I actually had no additional help for the first three and a half years until he fractured his hip. And then I had no choice. I couldn't lift him. I couldn't do certain things. And in retrospect, that was a mistake because he flourished the most after I had the help. Why? Because if I went out for an hour or even whatever it was that I did, I came back that I'd done something beautiful and wonderful and fulfilling, and I was able to give so much more of myself to him. And so I urge, urge people Find it doesn't have to be a, a trained aide. It could be a high school student to play checkers or chess or, or a game. Get yourself a friend or or someone not necessarily trained, uh, just to give you that respite and uh, for an, an hour a day or, or two or whatever you need. But it's crucial to your own sanity.
0: And I think also the physical health that I think it's been documented that if we don't give ourselves that care, ultimately some, somewhere it's going to erupt in our body. So we really need to do that uh,
1: responsibly. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And, I, and what, the, what the doctor did for me is, is enabled me not to feel guilty <laughs> about it. And it's so funny because in the beginning, I was motivated by very by not by not healthy things. If I did that, what would people think, and I would feel guilty. And the opposite happened. People I barely knew would come to me and say, "Helene, you are handling this so beautifully." And I was shocked because I thought I would be judged harshly for it. And then I learned I have to do what I I need to do for my life, and not be motivated
0: by what others might think absolutely again those words of wisdom that resonate throughout the pages of this wonderful book choosing joy Alzheimer's a book of hope but it really is universal again your your daughter's friend having said that but definitely I feel a, a true statement and I am just so grateful you know that you did all you did and that you wanted then to share it with us with the world helene uh it is truly a beautiful treasure, a great gift. Let's actually wrap it up with mentioning your website one more time. Okay.
1: wwwhelaineburger.com And there's every vowel in that is an E-H-E-L-E-N-E-B-E-R-G-E-R. And let me just thank you for allowing me to share it with a vast number of people on your wonderful program.
0: Well, again, I feel that I've been privileged to be able to do so. Many, many thanks, Helene. Thank you. And with that, we are at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Helene Berger and Sunday Morning Magazine with Kelly Carpenter and Eve Firestone from Pause. Find the podcast on our Warm 106.9 webpage. Click on the podcast tab, then Sunday mornings and look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day focused on choice of choosing life, choosing family, and sharing with one another.